Welcome to Solving for B, the podcast where we navigate the business of branding and marketing. In this week's episode, we'll discuss new research that investigates the motivation behind the Buy American concept in branding. So settle in and enjoy the latest installment of Solving for B with Brand Extract. Hi, and welcome into another episode of the Solving for B podcast. I'm Chris Wilkes, Digital Content Specialist here at Brand Extract, and I'm joined by Bo Bodie, President and CEO of BE. Hey, Chris. As well as Data Science Advisor, Dr. Vikas Mukhtal from Rice University. Hello. Uh, we have a really great episode today, uh, one that I'm really excited about, and we're, what we're talking about today is uh, the Buy American concept. Uh, more specifically, uh, we're going to take a look at Dr. Mittal's research uh, into the strategy and dive into this particular motivator uh, of consumer behavior. Um, so, Dr. Mittal, can you uh, start us off by giving us a brief overview of the research uh, and your findings? Yes. Yeah, so, um, you know, um, I think everywhere you go today, buy American is a big thing, right? So, uh, you know, our political landscape has basically brought it up and um, everybody's into this buy American thing. So historically, if you look at this idea of uh, buy American or branding through a country of origin, this idea uh, dates back to almost, you know, 100, 200 years ago when we had, like, trade between um, different countries. And, and the main basic idea was that countries had natural advantages in terms of resources that allowed them to specialize. You know, so China had silk, India had spices, you know, the, the uh, Middle East had, like, fruit and all of those kinds of things, and that's how trade happened. And there was some sense... There was some sense that because countries have natural advantages, that the quality of stuff that's produced in those areas is also a little bit superior. So, so that's how the, the, this idea of country of origin came through. Then I think as, you know, as uh, technology took over, so if you think about industrialization, this idea of country of origin kind of uh, took a back seat because with technology, the one thing that happened was standardization, right? So if you think of the printing press, a book produced in London probably has the same quality as a book pr- you know, printed in um, America versus a book printed in China. So, so this concept kind of um, went away. It resurfaced back uh, sometimes in the early 1900s in the form of what people call ethnocentrism, right? So ethnocentrism is, is, centrism is this idea of supporting your own country, which is not the original idea of country of origin, which was based on the quality of the products in different mm-hmm. countries. This now is literally supporting your country in the form of economic development, in the form of employment, et cetera, et cetera. And in America, we saw this um, when in the early um, 1960s, 70s, 80s, uh, in, in those days when we saw lot of like you know flight of industry right so so the entire garment industry moved out or you know you would see the entire furniture industry moved out etc etc and um today today the idea of buy american has elements of all of these but it also some somewhere in some fashion incorporates this idea of um what they call country animosity Right. So there are some countries that are our friends, some countries that might not be our friends, and that may be a reason to buy from them or not buy from them. So it's a complex thing. 
uh, it's a complex thing. It's a complex issue. And the biggest mistake companies can make in all of this is conflate by American with patriotism. They are not the same thing, right? And then the other mistake companies can make is jump on the bandwagon of buy American with just this idea that if we can show ourselves to be America-made, somehow people will run right out and buy more of our product, right? So it's a complex issue. Absolutely. So um, the one thing you mentioned we talked about a little earlier was that um, – that patriotism and buy American aren't the same thing. So to, I think to the consumer, they can look like the same thing, right? So um, are there any, um, what, I guess, what's the distinction between, can you can you talk a little bit about that, sure. that partition? Sure. Yeah, so, so patriotism is something like, you know, um, loyalty to your country. Patriotism is something like, you know, putting your country first and so on and so forth, right? So this idea of buy American, which really is rooted in this idea of consumer ethnocentrism, is this idea that I want to engage in commerce in some way that helps, you know, the economic development of my own country, right? So, so you know, so, so people might want to buy a car that they think is locally produced because it also created local jobs. These might not be the same people who will go right out and enroll in the army. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I think I think understanding a little bit, you know, they're uh, you know doing some research for this. You know, there's the the Buy American Act of 1933. You know, what was happening then? I mean, industrialization was changing, right? There was a shift in economic, you know, from the industrial age to you know to you know the next age of technology in a different way, mm-hmm. right? Punch cards, different things. Things were changing, right? And so Hoover has to pass an act to get Americans to buy. Then you look at the 60s and 70s and, and where technology and computers and different things were coming in, and, and you've got the Cold War. And I think what ended up happening in that period was Reagan was saying, buy American, that was getting mixed up with the Cold War, and it became a patriotic kind of thing. Now you've got President Trump saying, buy American. You've got the same kind of transfer in the economy that's happening from technology and, and human hands making things to robotics, right? And so the, the natural reaction is, to, to, to doc, you know, Dr. Mattal's point, because um, you, you come back and go, you know, hey, jobs are disappearing, here's what happens. I think, you know, what Vikas was talking about from a branding standpoint is that you start to conflate, you start to mix up, you know, all of these different themes, right? I'm going to buy American Made because... You know, maybe a little bit because it was made by somebody. This kind of buy local thing that's going on now. You know, because I I want to support my local community or I want to do whatever. But it's not a go to war kind of thing. Um, those things are all confusing now that this is sticking itself back into into the vernacular, into the conversation around how we market our product. Mm-hmm. So if you think of like country branding, right? So like people talk confused by American with country branding. So country mm-hmm. branding basically is this idea that if a product or service can be associated with the country, it doesn't have to be produced there for sure. If it can be associated with the country, it will take on some of the characteristics of those countries, right? So for example, if you think of um, artistic expression, so Italy is renowned for that, right? So, so, so if you show people probably the same set of clothing and say this was made in Italy and some other piece of clothing and say this was made in a different country, 
so so the clothing that's made in Italy will have a better resonance, right? So 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 Japan is known for sort of its sort of tenacity, its quality function movement, you know, TQM. So that association persists, right? So France is known for a lot of like, you know, cooking and its flavors and all of that stuff. So, you know, wine and France, French wine go together. That's the idea of country branding. So, so, so for example, if a con- company here in the U.S. wanted to brand or take advantage of Buy American or Made in America, right, which is different than Buy American, if they wanted to take advantage of the Made in America, you would have to think of those American characteristics that you want your product to represent. And that's how you would... Uh, you know, uh, uh, go forward. Well, right? and I think Apple is a great e- example of that from a branding standpoint, right? Not much of it is made or manufactured here, but it, it on the back of their boxes, they've always had designed in California. Uh, you know, that the the idea of you know the United States, America being known, United States being known for innovation, being known for engineering excellence and new technology, being known for coming up with interestingly designed things um, that fits, that fits the brand, right? And it fits having those two things together. Um, They've decoupled all of their product being made in America (laughs) pretty well, as opposed to designed and and separating that function. But that, that attribute of design fits with America. So so that's the first piece of um, country branding is you need to figure out, what are the pro- product attributes or the product benefits that you want? And what are the country attributes that, are, uh, that can l- be laid over your product's brand? And then, you know, what can be presented to the customer that makes sense? So, for example, you know, um, in terms of universities, right? So America is known for its research capability. You know, Americans routinely win Nobel Prizes and such. You know, so a lot of universities... Uh, and education institutions to brand themselves as American, right? So an MBA from an American university to a lot of people has a lot more meaning than the same MBA from another university in a different country or a continent. So that's the piece of country branding. Now, if you push this forward and take it to this idea of country animosity, what that basically means is, you know, countries historically may have had a good relationship or a bad relationship. You think about like China and uh, Korea, for example, or, you know, China and Japan, for example, or the U.S. and Russia, for example. So, so what happens is sort of this um, mm-hmm. negative affect from the country transfers into the product, right? right. So, uh, you know, and, and part of it's not that you may feel negatively toward a country. Part of it's what you think will be the social stigma, right? Mm-hmm. So in this day and age, it's hard to imagine that, you know, the way relationships are with, uh, say, Russia or, you know, uh, some of the countries in the Middle East, you may be perfectly fine buying something from those that's made in those countries, but you might think twice based on what will my friends think, what will my colleagues think, and, and that's the country animosity angle that uh, companies need to worry about. And I have mm-hmm. to assume that there's, and you know they say when you assume, but I have to assume <laughs> that there's some sort of, whatever your perception is for a country, product, there's some sort of bias that speaks to the human inability to, to not be able to remove all bias. You know, if, if you have mm-hmm. you have this perception of a country, whatever, whatever country it may be, um, you know, Russia, whatever, um, if you feel like for whatever reason they're inferior, 
their this product that they can that they make, uh, be it vodka or whatever else, could be fantastic. But you have this, or a consumer can have this perception of well, that's actually not as good quality when it actually is. Right. Well, I think that that's uh, that's branding. Mm-hmm. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, I love to use the analogy: gold's just a rock. <laughs> it's just a rock pulled out of the ground. And somebody told us at one point it was scarce, but for thousands of years we continue to pull it out of the ground <laughs> you know the but the perception of my wife and her you know how she feels about paying a lot of money for metal and what somebody else might feel about paying a lot of money for metal all comes from their background the things that they perceive so if you take you know for instance um, Japan made in Japan you know when when we were growing up as kids in the 1970s a little too close to Pearl Harbor a little too close to World War II everything was made in Taiwan Mm. There was I, I don't I don't remember this made in Japan thing until the eighties and where the, the public consciousness in the United States and, and back to this kind of country animosity thing, you know, okay, World War II is a long time ago, Japan attacked America a long time ago. All of a sudden made in Japan became a thing. But then there was the gung ho movies and you know, there was this kind of backlash to they're making our cars now and all that kind of thing. It, those things are all part of that psyche that make you make decisions about the value of things. I mean, to Vagas's point, if all of a sudden, other than vodka, <laughs> there were a bunch of Russian products in the marketplace, it's going to be hard for an American buyer to associate themselves with that just because they've heard so many negative things for a long time. Right. Even though the product may be just as good or even better. Um, and so those are all things that kind of, those are all the emotions that go into these brands associations that happen. This is just a conversation about brand association. Yeah. So it so we've talked a little bit about branding, uh, country branding, uh, country animosity, consumer uh, ethnocentrism. Um, for for those out there who are listening who have not uh, read Dr. Mattal's research, uh, first of all, I recommend that you do. Uh, secondly, um, there's it, it's it, there's kind of like a four pronged approach, and it might be oversimplifying, but um, there's there's those three that we talked about, and then also that local identity that we um, that that kind of goes into this greater equation of Buy American. Can you talk a little bit about that local identity and what that what piece or role that plays? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so local identity is an even um, more non-patriotic emotion, uh, you know, sort of <laughs> a subset of things, right? So, so this is this general idea that people who care about local causes, right? So this might be my local school, this might be the local football team, or this might be you know anything local, et cetera, et cetera. They tend to behave differently than people who care about global causes, right? So, so now many people who care about local causes and therefore have a very strong local identity are not necessarily patriotic, mm-hmm. right? And many people who are um, very patriotic need not be high globalist or high localist. Well, and even to, 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 I mean, something just popped in my head, you look at what's happening in um, Barcelona right now. They're very, they have a, a strong local identity, but it's not at all tied to Correct. their country right? pride, yeah. right? So, 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 so the localism thing is, if you think of it more like a field of um, vision type of thing, 
right? So, so, uh, and it shows up in different ways, the kinds of books you read, the kind of, you know, news that you might be listening to, the, the, the type of uh, uh, charities that, where you donate your money, the causes you support, et cetera, et cetera. And what research shows, and, and, and we, you know, we like ran uh, like almost like 25 different studies and we found that people who are, uh, who have a stronger local identity tend to be less price sensitive, meaning they're willing to pay more for mm -hmm. a product than people who have a global identity. You know, so if you think about it, um, you know, Bo had talked about earlier and you had talked about earlier, so California, made in California by Apple, right? So Apple really is tapping into the local identity mm -hmm. when it brands itself made in California. Right. So you go to the everybody, you know, uh, uh, goes to these uh, sort of uh, uh, produce markets. Right. And you almost invariably you end up paying one and a half or two times more <laughs> for whatever produce you buy because you and you don't feel guilty. You feel good about paying twice as much because you're supposedly supporting a local cause. Right. So it's it's the local identity that kicks in and, and people just pay pay up. Right. So so what this means then is for local identity, companies don't have to produce the stuff locally. Right. So Walmart has has been doing a lot of rebranding. It's been mm -hmm. rebranding itself in terms of buy American. It's been rebranding its, itself in terms of sort of, uh, you know, the local. It supports a lot more local causes now. Mm -hmm. And all of this for a company that's now competing head to head with Amazon. Pricing power will become very important. So, so Walmart's ability to not compete only on price will make a big difference in their ability to have higher margin, mm -hmm. right? So in that sense, Walmart is thinking through this correctly and creating a strategy that makes sense, you know, by pushing on local identity, by pushing on consumer ethnocentrism and sort of this bi-American movement. Now, they're not... They don't try to brand themselves in, in terms of country branding. They don't try to push that, you know, Walmart is a quintessentially American company or any of that stuff, you know, because Walmart is everywhere. And they need to adopt the local identity of wherever they are to sure. make sense out of that. Sure. So I, I know, uh, you know, your research obviously focuses on the the buy American concept. Uh, but do other countries have uh, something similar to to that, I mean, or, did, or is, is this a uniquely American thing that we have this country pride, support America, um, or is there a by France, a by England, a by... I think these things um, kind of come in waves, right? So, so where, you know, so a lot of countries will do this, a lot of states will do this rather poorly, you know, so some, sometimes the tourism department will like get some like in, infusion of money or something and then Lint will go on a riff on uh, let's try to push, you know, like um, whatever the local thing is. It, it doesn't work out well, right? Um, I, I think where these things do work out for a company are when it's not done as a movement, when it's integrated into the brand itself. I think that's when it works out. So, so, you know, so if you think of Apple, you cannot think of a more global company. You know, majority of the company's profit is parked outside the U.S., right? So, so, so the entire supply chain, majority of it is outside the U.S., right? Yet, it has been able to maintain an American ethos about the brand, 
right? Because it gels with this idea of American innovation. It gels with this idea of, uh, you know, um, high design. And it gels mm-hmm. with this idea of California being at the forefront. Right. And, and that's how you do it well. And so, I mean, you, you, speaking of Apple, and all, Silicon Valley is, is the, the right. mecca the of, all of it, right. So there's an association that. with yeah. that. So and that's yeah. why it's valuable yeah. for them to, to right. maintain that, that exactly. made well, in California. It, it's a, your question about have others done it. Yeah, I mean, other countries have done it. It's all, it's, it this has always happened. It always happens. I mean, mm-hmm. you look at history. We talked about that at the beginning with the, the Buy American Act in 1933, and these things kind of changes. Um, I think... I think the thing that Vikas was talking about was, and I'll bring back up his Walmart example. Um, Walmart's original tagline was lowest prices guaranteed. Then it became, let me see. Save more, live better. Yeah, it became save more, live better. Now it's, you know, become. Save um, money, live better. Yeah, save money, live better. It was always low prices. So it went from, sorry, let me get this right. (laughs) Um, It went from lowest prices guaranteed to always low prices, right? Not the lowest price, always low prices, to save money, live better. And it, it, it is an example of what Vacas is talking about. And, and that, that brand is a truly American brand, right? But for years and years and years, it got beat up by being the people that killed you know, small town America, right? And so somehow over time, they've been able to transition, but it, I think it's gotta be true to their brand. If, if, if they come out with these different slogans and these different sayings and this buy American kind of thing, it's true to who they are. It, it associates with them as an Arkansas company. It associates them with an American-made company, their excess, their large largesse, and all that kind of stuff. And even that translates to other countries that they're in. And so it fits. Um, if it doesn't fit, then that, that can be the pitfall. You can slap a American flag on your product and it not fit. You know, it, it Corona could all of a sudden put, you know, since they're bottled in America, you know, no, I drink a Corona to go to a beach in Mexico. I don't drink a Corona to be in America. Right. You know, that can be the pitfalls in some of these countries. They can try and grab onto something that just doesn't associate well with them. Is there is there a company, and there's one that, you know, I've, I think I mentioned during uh, preparation for this, but also, um, you know, I'm a user of this brand, so... Um, is there is, are there brands out there that maybe are not American or are not you know geographically American that have tapped into this American right. sentiment? Yeah, because you brought you brought up the Toyota. Toyota, thing, right? yeah, that's and so um, and I have to take my own personal bias out of this. I was looking for a truck. I'm not going to pay forty thousand dollars for a truck. I mean, it's just it's a truck, right? <laughs> but I mean, why not, right? right. And because of are going, why not? Um, I just it, there's just something in me like. Trucks to me, growing up here in Texas, were work things. You know, now they are absolutely luxury vehicles now, <laughs> but but it is hard for me because of a bias to buy a Toyota Tundra, even though it's a great truck. And you know, they've slapped on their trucks made in Texas. Texas, yeah, I've seen the t- right. So they're they're tapping onto that kind of local thing. Um, but it's hard for me as the buyer who grew up a certain way, seeing a certain you know, Ford Tough and. All that I mean, I've been branded, 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 to make the shift to a Tundra, which is a really good-looking, luxurious, pretty quality, awesome. And then all of yeah. a sudden, I, I can associate Toyota quality. Right, my friends drive their Toyotas for five hundred thousand miles, <laughs> and they work perfectly. So why can't I? Why can't I make the switch? I mean, separate my price bias, and separate my work truck kind of bias, and separate my 
you know, American-made bias, you know, why can't I make that switch? And, uh, you know, eventually I will, right? Time will wear me down and it, 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 the, 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 the practical consumer in me may take over. Um, but that's, that, but I've been branded made in Japan. Right. You know, for, for 20 years and from 1970s to 1990s, I was branded made in Japan. And that's hard for me, you know, to now switch to made in Texas and then kind of put America in the middle of that. It's a different, it's a different thing that goes on in my mind. So whenever, so when you take it from your perspective, you can see how, you know, there's probably research that was done on their part that, that knows, you know, not, not Bobody specifically, but there are Bobodies out there that do not look at this, you know, or this is not a viable product for them because it's, you know, when I'm looking for a truck, I want something American made. And so they've now tried to shift that brand a little bit. So it's interesting. Yeah. The German in me goes, this is a good truck and it's worth that much money. The Italian in me goes, wait a minute, (laughs) you know, my passion, this is the Texas truck, you know, but it is made in Texas. I mean, it technically is made here. Right. So how do you put all those things together? Yeah. That's a, that's, that's an interesting little case study. Um, (laughs) So (laughs) thank you, Bo. (laughs) So, um, so interesting. (laughs) I would say (laughs) (laughs) we talk about, uh, we talk about this idea that, you know, like being prepared to, if you're going to claim that, you know, made in America and you're going to, you're going to try to tap into this buy American sentiment. Um, what are some of the things you need to consider, uh, before, making the plunge and re, you know and pulling a Budweiser and and putting America on your cans you know before you make the switch to buy to to the tap into that sentiment what are some of the things your business needs to consider so that it doesn't fall flat so i think the first thing a business before they kind of tap into this buy american or made in america or whatever uh, sentiment it is the business actually needs to do some research to figure out what is their brand, right? Like that. So, so if you're going to go for, uh, you know, made in America type of branding or, you know, assembled in America, or the, any of those kinds of things, you need to know what are the benefits that your brand is trying to deliver. And are there common elements between those benefits and positive associations with, let's say, America? that you can capitalize on, right? So you need to have those common elements and customers want to have those elements and be able to pay a little bit more for those. Without that research, I think jumping on that bandwagon can really backfire, right? Yeah. You know, uh, so so nowadays, like, especially like into the B2B world, when you go and talk to like different managers, they're constantly, oh, we are being you know inundated by Chinese competition that's lower price, right? Well. So the fact is that if, if you're being inundated by Chinese competition that's lower price, there's something about the brand that you have that you haven't configured correctly, mm-hmm. that people see the Chinese competition and your brand is synonymous, right? So, so those are the deeper issues that somebody has got to be able to think through before you just slap on the Made in America sticker on it. Yeah, and I think under, then... With that, I mean, from this research, it becomes a deeper understanding of the audience. Yeah. But is your audience going to accept that? Not just does it does the association make sense, right? Does it feel right? Mm-hmm. But also, can I be associated with that because of the people I'm friends with on Facebook or the the way I carry myself in public? I mean, all of those things need to be taken in, into consideration. 
Um, but if it's true to who your brand is, then your consumer is going to be <laughs> yeah. aligned with it. It's not, you can't, you can't manipulate this. You yeah. can't all of a sudden, you can't buy everything, every component of your product in China and fabricate it here and then say you're completely, you know, made in America. Um, it just doesn't work like that. And you can't trick people today. Right. You'll be, you'll be found out. Yeah. Right. I mean, think about like, you know, we talked about the Toyota example earlier, right? Like, I mean, so that company figured it all out and they have been at this strategy for almost 20 years now. Right. Right. So, and it's not like a strategy, you know, of course there's a communication component to it. So mm-hmm. the advertising and all of that stuff, but the bigger component is, um, you know, setting up factories in the U S right. Right. Setting up factories in the U S in those parts of the U.S. where they can completely copy their total quality management approach, right? right? And then having the production design, everything, and then taking people from here and sending them to Japan so they can actually learn what goes on in Japan. Then slowly and slowly, you know, hiring American managers in Japan and over. I mean, it's a, it's a whole strategy. Mm-hmm. It's a reconfiguration of the value chain. It's not just sort of like this communication type thing. Just take out five ads. Yeah, take out five ads. Take you know, put a sticker. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, they literally re- reconfigure their entire value chain. Yeah. Right. And on the other hand, you see like brands like um, Tiffany, for example. They they try to not have this very strong Made in America association, right? Because Tiffany is a global brand. So if Tiffany sells a lot of stuff in China, they have stores in China, they have stores in, let's say, the Middle East, they don't want to very prominently associate themselves with as an American brand. They just want to very prominently associate themselves as a high luxury brand. Right. right. So, so that's the general idea. Excellent. Um, so... I think we've we've pretty much covered uh, this this strategy and this this broad American concept. Um, as I mentioned earlier, if you haven't read uh, Vacasa's piece, uh, we'll actually link it in the show notes. Um, it's it's really fascinating and it gives you kind of a, a different perspective of uh, of the buy American concept and it kind of separates the patriotism and talks about what all goes into this this big algorithm um, or you know formula or whatever whatever it may be. Um, but anyway, thanks a lot, guys. I really appreciate you guys stepping in and taking the time. Um, and um, we'll, we'll catch you next time. Thanks. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you found it insightful. If you haven't yet, we invite you to check out our other episodes and to be on the lookout for new episodes every few weeks. You can also visit BrandExtract.com for more insights on branding and marketing. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time on the Solving for B podcast with Brand Extract.